0: A few days ago, I had the privilege to be in Washington with some of our uh, major leaders from the news media, from the political world, from the business world, and the pastors of 50 of the largest churches in this nation. And one thing was common with all, that these are difficult times like we've never seen before. There are more signs now that are, as I will show you, that are in the Bible that Jesus is coming soon. We're living in a day where you name the area uh, of the world or if you pick a subject, political world, business world, religious world, educational world, recreational world, athletic world, you will see all of these are showing that we have found ourselves fulfilling the prophecies of the last days. Now, for those that are believers, our only concern, we shouldn't worry, but we ought to be concerned about people we know that don't know Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid for ourselves. But Jesus came to die on the cross for others. We live today as believers for others that we can give the Word the look and the touch, that we can carry out the mission statement of our church, that we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And as we think about what is happening and as we read here and watch there, I never think about this subject of the Lord coming back again and what the Scripture says as to how confused... We are, if all we know is what we see on television or read in a paper. If any of you have ever had your name in a paper, whether it was No Hope, Texas, or, or the Washington Post, or the Houston Chronicle, or anything else, if you've ever had your name in the paper with a story attached, I will guarantee you that that story was not totally accurate. I mean, if you played little league baseball and got a double in the sixth, you probably had a triple in the second. But in trying to scribble it on their notepad and get it over and reach the print time, it didn't come out at all like it was. But yet, we just talk about each other. Did you hear the news the other night? Did you read the paper that day? You know what I heard somebody say? When's the last time you read your Bible? Do you want to know the truth? The Bible says you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or are you going to depend on somebody else to tell you what the truth is? When Jesus said, I'm the truth, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Right. And if God says it, we're to believe it. And every time I gather around with believers and this subject comes up, it's always a very positive thing. That happened last week. As we gathered there in Washington with educators of some of our top Christian schools, ministers of some of our largest churches, news media people that are high profile but love the Lord and love the Word of God, it rose to the surface all the way to the Vice President of the United States that Jesus is coming again soon. That the prophecies of the Scripture are being fulfilled today, today. And yet the church, 900 Southern Baptist churches closed their doors in the United States last year, 900, 900. 50% of the churches did not baptize one single person nor saw one person saved, not one. Our power is gone if we operate without him. That's the reason we have the prayer early. If Jesus is not in this place, we are wasting our time. But if he is here, there is hope. And when we gather and we worship, we ought to understand the thing that makes us different is Jesus is risen from the grave. We're not going to let Easter die on one day a year. We want people when they go to our Bible classes, walk in our halls or come into our services or watch us on the internet or television to know we believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that Jesus Christ is coming and that Jesus Christ shed his blood in order that whosoever will can be saved. And it matters not whether you were born in a Christian home or if you were born in America or from the uttermost part of the world, God changes lives through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God sent his son, born of a virgin, laid down his life on a cross, rose from the grave, 40 days later ascended into heaven with the promise that I am coming back. And in the meantime, get ready. And get each other ready. And carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. Now I want to encourage you this morning to listen to what the scripture says. I want to read to you from First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you from the 13th verse to the 18th verse. The Apostle Paul, another of his writings to the church in Thessalonica. I want to remind you, Paul did not come out of a Christian home, raised by Christian parents, had Christian grandparents, grew up in the church. He was a murderer of Christians. But one day, he met a living God, and it changed him. Now listen to what this man says in writing this letter to a church over in Thessalonica. 4th chapter, 13th verse. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, he's talking about believers that have died, okay? Those that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him One another with these words. This is not a message to scare you, it's a message to comfort you. If you're saved, be still and know that He is God. If you're not saved, be comforted in the fact you can be saved. Over 900 times, the Bible invites lost people to come to Jesus. He says, Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. He doesn't say, Whosoever's under 30. He doesn't say, whosoever is over 60. He says, whosoever will may come and have a brand new life. You may look at me sometimes and when I'm preaching or hear me and say, Preacher, I just don't see things like you do. Or you might say, you hear things that I don't hear. Well, I don't have anything out there speaking to me, but I do have this. And this book has stood the test of the centuries. This book is the inspired, infallible word of God. It is inerrant. That means it is without error. And this book clearly lays out the itinerary and the warning, the signs that will take place in the world before the Lord comes back again. When you look at our world, When you look at our nation, when you look at our families, when you look at us individually, and when you look at the church, you will see the time of the Lord's return is near. The Old Testament prophesied the coming of the Messiah hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. To Bethlehem it's all in the Old Testament written prophesied and over and over it is revealed that the Lord is coming back again and you know what this world isn't going to get right till he does come back again have you ever been in a some kind of a mix-up and the police were called you notice how things can quickly change and a peace comes and everybody say y'all get over here and y'all get over here and we're taking charge you know what? When the Lord comes, he's taking charge. And when he comes, every knee going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But for some, it's going to be too late to be saved. And they're going to play that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I just knew I was doing wrong for 75 years. But I just knew that, that one day, God, I know you're a good God and you're not going to let anybody go to hell. You know, you're not going to send anybody to hell. That's what you say. God doesn't send anybody to hell. That's what you choose. God will let you do what you want to do. He's not going to grab you by the nap of the neck and slap you around and say, You better straighten up, big boy. He doesn't do that. What he does, he loves you. And he's patient with you. And he forgives you. And he helps you get back up on your feet. And then he points you in the way that you're to go. And then he says, if you say, that's too hard for me, he said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I will walk with you. And when you go down, I'm picking you up. But you've got to be doing what I'm asking you to do. If he says, I'm going to lead you this way, and you're going to go that way, well, good luck. But if you go this way, that God, that Jesus is coming back again that changed your life when you were alive on planet Earth. I want to answer some questions this morning that are the most asked questions that I've heard in my ministry. Question number one, is Jesus really, literally going to come back to this Earth again? That's the question I've had asked. Do you really mean, preacher, that there's going to be a real trumpet sound and a real resurrection, the dead in Christ are going to rise, and the Lord is going to come in the air and descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Do you really believe that? And my answer is yes. And the proof is that 318 times in the New Testament alone It says Jesus is coming back to this earth again, 318 times. How stubborn can we be? You say, well, I never read that. That's because you never read the New Testament. You don't have to read very far anywhere you want to start, and you're going to see Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. The Interpreter's Bible, this is the whole point, I couldn't believe when I read this. Every time the rain falls, every time a flower blooms, every time a baby is born, Jesus has come back. Now, there's a Greek word for that, baloney. (laughs) Whoever that interpreter's Bible belongs to, that's not what the Greek and the Hebrew says. It says, Jesus himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. That's the facts, and we will think on the facts, not the opinions. And when we hear the facts and know that God has the power, God the Father, all power is given to Him in heaven and in earth, He will control the exit from heaven, He'll control the entrance into the earth. He'll control when the church and the body of Christ goes to be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. And the Bible says you shall know Him. You shall know Him by the nail prints in His hands. We sing about it. You won't have to worry. Well, I know Him when He comes. You will know Him. I will know Him. Everyone will know Him. Well, Preacher, why do you believe literally that he's going to come? Well, first of all, because Jesus said he would. Matter of fact, he said it in every gospel. In Matthew 16, 27, to Matthew. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Mark, here's what he said. 13th chapter, verse 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Luke, 21st chapter, 27th verse. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then finally, John, chapter 14, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, bang, 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 bang. Every one of them said the same thing. Yeah, but I've been thinking about it, preacher, and I would just stop your sentence. You don't have to think. He said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Well, I need to I need to call the travel bureau that's scheduling his trip. Forget about it. He's coming. He's coming. That's a fact. He's coming. Now, what you have to do is decide what is going to be going on in your life if he comes, even today. Today might be the day we never, ever, ever know. Jesus said he was coming. The the gospel said he was coming. The apostle Paul said he was coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. James, in the Scripture, said he would. Fifth chapter, seventh verse. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Jude, one chapter, Here's what he says, 14th verse. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Every writer in the New Testament, every writer said Jesus is coming again. Why in the world would a church turn their back on that one clear, undisputable, unanimous prophecy Jesus is coming again. Three times in the Bible, God used an angel to deliver a message. Now think back in your Bible study, and I hope you can come up with them before I give them to you real quickly. There were three major messages, and God sent angels so the people would hear it not from flesh and blood, but from an angel. The first time was the birth of Jesus. Remember that one? Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Now, at the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus lives a life without sin. He is nailed to the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels. But on resurrection morning, Friday has past. Sunday is here. And here we hear the angels showing up. Mark chapter 16, 5 and 6. And entering into the sepulchre, into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were f- frightened. And he said unto them, Don't be frightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where... They laid him. That was delivered by an angel. Angels told about the birth. They told about the resurrection. When Jesus ascended into heaven, an angel gave the message. Acts 1.10. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus... Which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back again. That's what the angels said. That's what the, the gospel writers said. Jesus is coming again. I don't know if anybody that has better credentials than Jesus and the writers of the gospels and the angels. I'm going to believe them. You say, well, you just don't know my brother-in-law. Don't want to. <laughs> I don't need a second opinion. If Jesus said I'm coming, he's coming. And I don't want to just pack my bags. I want to be ready. I want to be looking up. But as I heard a preacher say a long time ago, and I, I can't remember which one it was, but he said that he hoped when Jesus came that he was leading somebody to Jesus. And they prayed the sinner's prayer and when they said amen, the trumpet sounded and Jesus came and he was taking somebody with him at the time of his death. I think that's a pretty good goal to set. But let me answer another question. I've been asked many times, why is Jesus coming back? Why? What's the purpose of it? The first of all is to reveal his glory. God the Father wants this world to see the Jesus that they rejected and see the glory the love the passion the power the forgiveness and so this is what he has chosen to do 1 Timothy 6:15 which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the king of kings and the lord of lords he's coming on a white horse the bible says Call your Greek scholars and ask him to look up the Greek word and see what it is. If you want to save the phone call, the Greek word means white horse. White horse. It's just what God said it is. You say, well, I'm sure it'll come from Texas or Kentucky. I don't think so. I think it's going to come from heaven. And you're talking about a purebred. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. He's coming to reveal his glory. That excites me. If that doesn't excite you, maybe this one will. He's coming to reward his saints. You remember that old saying, nobody likes, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out and eat worms. (laughs) Not me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But he didn't tell John, I love you alone. He said, I love whosoever will. And I want them to come home and be with me. I've got a place prepared for them. Just what they've always wanted and could never have. I'm going to prepare a place for them. The Bible says that he's going to take us home when the rapture comes. For seven years... And get us ready to come back. And when we come back, it's coming back for the judgment seat of Christ where crowns are going to be given. And I'll go through this real quickly, but there are five of them. First of all, there's the crown of life, those that were martyred for the faith. If you go to the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, you will see the uh, pictures and the story of all of our missionaries through the history of our denomination that died on the mission field telling people about Jesus. Many of them died. Many of them, just from our little group that we call Southern Baptists. But there have been tens of thousands that have died for their faith. And there is a crown to be given which is called the crown of life for martyrs. We'd make our... Reasons for not serving the Lord are excuses. They're so sick. They are so pitiful. But God says, look, I've got a crown of life, but I've also got a crown of glory. That's for those that proclaim the gospel. The preacher, the singer, the Bible study teacher, the faithful saint that just tells people about Jesus. That wherever they go, they just want people to know about Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's going to be a crown for those. I think some of the soul winners will be given the crown of rejoicing. That's another crown mentioned. Rejoicing. Rejoicing that you brought somebody to the Lord. Maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's your own children. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your best friend. But there's going to be so much joy, joy, joy. And then there's a crown of righteousness that's mentioned. Those that lived righteously in a world that made it hard to live righteously. Your good works do matter in the sense that when you take the position that Jesus did, I am going to give my life to try to get people ready for the coming of the Lord. God is going to reward you for that. Now you might not get a lot of reward here. You'll get some. If you lead somebody to the Lord and they're baptized over here, you'll be the happiest person in this room because you brought them to Jesus. But the Bible says there'll to be a crown of that. And he also says, finally, there's a crown incorruptible. And Bible scholars say what he's talking about there are those that live sexually pure. They honored the marriage vows. They tried to live as God wanted them to live. And they did not get caught up in the alcoholism and the sexual impurities where people began to live like animals and not see what God wants. But you know, when you read the Scripture and you do as God said, it touches the heart of God. God knows how hard it is to do right. God knows how hard it is to forsake the things that seem to be so enticing. But there'll be a crown when the Lord comes back again. Now let me close this part by telling you, what are you going to do with them? Well, I was just thinking, I was thinking about building a trophy room onto my mansion. (laughs) And it's just going to feature my crown. And all my friends that come from down the Golden Street, I'm going to show them my crown's bigger than theirs. You know I'm kidding you. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put them at Jesus' feet. Don't you want to do that? Do you want to go through that list and say, I don't think I'm going to get any of those things. But I just want you to know I'm a Christian. I got a King James Bible. I came the Sunday before Easter, Easter and the Sunday after Easter. (laughs) And I know just as I am in the old rugged cross and amazing grace for memory. That's not what it's all about, folks. If we're born again, we've died to an old life. Our sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And God changed us one day. You say, well, do you quit sinning? No, but you quit enjoying it. And and you begin to find yourself thinking about others, 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 others. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But as we open up the scripture, the Bible says there's a third thing that he's coming for, and this is a sad one, and that is to reject the lost. The Bible talks about the great white throne judgment where people that have heard the gospel, been around the gospel, but for whatever reason, they rejected the gospel. Our God... is going to have to say to those when he says, why give me one reason why you in your life did not accept my gift of my only begotten son to die on a cross, spit on his face, cursed, and on and on. And you rejected my son. When I told you there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Do you have an answer for that? You don't. You don't. And when the Lord comes back, he doesn't come back as a little baby, he comes back as a righteous judge. He will make the call. Have you? been born again have you been washed in the blood or or, are you like most people well I joined the church I got baptized I went to Sunday school I was in RAs and GAs no my friend you must be born again not by works of righteousness which we have done the scripture says but by his stripes we're healed and the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, the scripture says, is the name of Jesus and him alone. And him alone. The church has no power over salvation. But Jesus has all power. It's his blood. The Father, it's his son. It is the Holy Spirit, the other part of the Godhead, that works together to bring People to him. Revelations 21.8. Says but the fearful. The unbelieving. The abominable. The murderers. The whoremongers. The sorcerers. The idolaters. And all liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burns. With fire and brimstone. Which is the second death. And then in Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Then he. Capital H. Jesus. Then he will say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And by the way, that will be the wide gate. There will be plenty of room. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that finds, is what the Scripture says. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and most and many will go in that way some are going to be surprised there's a lot of people living today. you think you're saved but why do you think you're saved well i got baptized i can't remember all of it but somewhere in east texas and i can't remember the preacher's name and all that kind of stuff you know what if you've been born again you know you've been born again you remember one day i was in darkness one day the light came one time i was running into sin man you want to have a party invite me i'm the party man yeah You just want to see somebody and act like a fool? Come see me. And everybody loves me. I look good. I wear my hair right. I know what to do. I know what to drink. I know what to say. I'm just Mr. Wonderful. And everybody loves me. My goodness, why don't you want me up there? You know why? Because the blood of Jesus is what saves you. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking... Well, folks that humble themselves and say, I need a savior. I love that old gospel song, Oh, what a savior! Oh, what a savior! I mean, what would we do without Jesus? Every time I look in the mirror, I wonder, You mean I get to go to heaven? Yeah, why? Ah, yeah, but you were born a preacher's son. That didn't have anything to do with it. But one day, when I was a child, I met Jesus. It was so strong. I'm 70 years older now, and I've never doubted one day that as a seven-year-old child, Jesus became real in my life. That's happened to a lot of people here and many more that are out there watching. And so as we put all this together, oh, by the way, if you like to be a part of the majority, you're okay in the sense that that's going to make you feel good because all your friends are going to be there with you. Will God help you? But if you have ever been in total darkness, and I was in Alcatraz, I wasn't there because I was a prisoner. <laughs> I was a visitor, and Deacon Joe Simmons and I were there together, and and we were given an invitation at Alcatraz to step into the cell of solitary confinement. And we stepped in. They said, now, if you have claustrophobia, don't go in here. But we were tough. They opened that door, and we stepped in that cell, and they shut that door. And they said, you're going to stay in there 30 seconds. They left us in there for five years. (laughs) You could not see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it was. Maybe you've been to Carlsbad Caverns. I went there later. I went down, I think, 800 feet under the ground. And they said, everybody, hold on. We're going to flip the lights. And if you did that, I don't care whether you're 80 or 8, that was the most horrible few seconds of darkness. And that's what hell is in every single description of what it's going to be like. Total, total darkness. Some, most, And the Lord said, Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely, but most, most, the overwhelming majority, we're told, and I was told last week, 26% of the world now is Christian. 26%. Three times as many are lost. But whenever that day comes, if you said no, there is no second chance, it's finished. The battle is over, and Jesus is Lord. I can't imagine what it would be like to hear Jesus say, No, you cannot come into heaven. You turn me away. When Jesus comes, there's going to be a lot of people that wish they'd have listened, but they didn't. There's going to be a lot of people in every part of the world where the gospel has been preached. So I wished I'd have listened. My friends weren't listening. Why should I listen? The majority wasn't listening. Why should I? Let me tell you why. You matter to God. You are special to God. And you need to come out from among all the rest of us and be separate and deal with your personal relationship with the Lord. You'll never regret it. I've yet to meet my first person that was a born-again believer that said, I wish they wouldn't have done that. But I buried a whole lot of them that didn't. How long is eternity? Billy Sunday said, the old preacher way before Billy Graham, baseball player, tough, tough young man, but his illustration of eternity was if God would create a bird and let it live 10,000 years, and, uh, excuse me, and would let it live long enough. And that little bird would pick up whatever it could carry in its beak and carry it out into eternity for 200 million miles and put it down and then come back and make a round trip every 10,000 years. When that little bird had moved planet Earth out into space and then moved it back here, it would be sunrise in eternity. That sounds like a long time to me. I haven't done the math on that. 70 years seems like a lot to me. But I do know this, that Jesus loves sinners. He died for sinners. And he loves his kids because his kids have become his kids because the blood of Jesus saved them. finally the great white throne judgment will tell you why you will be told then why did you not let me into heaven and the answer will be one answer you rejected my son my only begotten son and you said no you said no I don't want you to be surprised. I want you to be ready. The Bible says we'll be changed when He comes. We'll be like Him and we will see Him as He is. If you've heard the song, you like it. And if you're a believer, and the song is what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day, that will be. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the looks. I didn't have the power. But I had the blood. And nothing but the blood. What can wash away our sins? Nothing Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, how do you prepare? Real easy. Put your faith in Him. Put your trust in Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. We sing in the invitation song, and He will save you, and He'll save you now. But it's up to you. It is up to you.